For 25 years, Christ Faith Tabernacle has spread across the globe, empowering the saints with a season of the Lord's return. This season has arrived. Join Apostle Alfred and Reverend Fiona Williams in this year of God's glory as we celebrate the Christ Faith Tabernacle 25th year jubilee from the 23rd of February to the 1st of March. Our name shall be great. Nation will come out of us. The Lord has blessed us and nobody can revoke it. Be empowered alongside ministers from across the globe to walk in the miraculous, see healings, miracles, signs and wonders in your ministry. Come and celebrate 25 incredible years that have seen Christ Faith Tabernacle spread across the globe, meeting dignitaries and changing nations. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus by the blood of the risen Lord. Let them see Jesus shine through your life like never before. That you are bulletproof as long as you are walking under the covering of the Almighty. You got to know that God has set you apart special. God is very, very involved in every little thing. The Christ Faith Tabernacle Silver Jubilee. Leadership training daily. Power Miracle Nights every evening from 7 p.m. And the official dedication of the incredible CFT Cathedral Woolwich on Sunday, March the 1st at 4 p.m. The venue, CFT Cathedral, 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18, 6NL. Visit cftchurches.org or call 020-8316-2332. Well, we are so grateful to God to, for this Silver Jubilee. And um, I'm so happy to receive the man of God, Apostle Toff. <laughs> Apostle Ulysses Toff. A tough man. <laughs> and with Pastor Deborah Toff and Brother Morris and Sister Reagan. Dr. Reagan. You know, we were talking yesterday and she reminded me when we first came to America, they were, he, she was 14. Now she's in her 30s, isn't it? And a doctor, my oh my, I'm afraid of you. I'm afraid of doctors because when I was growing up, they weren't merciful to me at all. Yeah, at that time when I see a doctor, I, I run and shut the door against them. <laughs> but thank God that the doctors of these days are not as wicked as that. You're very welcome. Brother Maurice, you're so welcome. Well, Apostle Toff is a father in this house. We have been together for about 24 years. We have gone to places together. We have gone to the dangerous zones together. And over the period, I have not changed my relationship with them. Myself, Apostle Tov, Prophet Hancock, since God brought us together, we have been together. They have the interest of my life in them, and I have the interest of their life. He is a man I can leave my church for months if he has to preside over this house and have no fear. And um, I'm so grateful to God that we saw together the days of little beginning. In those days that he would sleep in one room in Ilderton Road. And they would come to our one room in Ludwig Mews. And my wife would go into the small kitchen and bring out several food. <laughs> and Apostle Tom would not stop talking about that. 
But we have seen both of us and Prophet Hancock in our low state. And we have also seen God bless us along the years with men, with women, with children. Our children are successes. God had fulfilled the covenant of the righteous upon us. And now, God had brought us to a place of comfort. Because when we went to the U.S., you know, you can't just go and stay in a hotel. Their house is better than a hotel. And we have a privilege of having him to come and share with us. I want to say to us that I know that we have some stuff in the program. Forget about program. I will have made you fast when I, if I was still in CAC. But now, I have recognized that you need food in your belly to be able to hear. So, we are going to allow apostle to flow as God will, will give him unction. We will receive you, man of God, as a servant of the Most High God. Shall we rise up together and welcome Apostle Ulysses Tough, the way, the truth, and the life. I grace you in Jesus' name uh, to our dear esteemed apostle, our precious brothers and Lord, and to his precious wife. Uh, and you know, we, we love them with life, we give ourselves to them. And uh, we don't fight over who's who because in Christ we're nothing. And when you're nothing in Christ, when you meet people who are nothing, then God can do something. So, God has done some stuff with us. So. Uh, uh, of course, this is my wife for 45 years, my girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> uh, so please uh, be seated. Of course, uh, I'm always just so honored to be with Apostle William and Pastor Pratt. I'm always so honored to be with you. And a few things that I, I want to share with you. I want to share with you what I describe as the doctrine of vision, the doctrine of vision. <clears throat> and the reason I want to share this with you, because even based on what Apostle Williams has addressed us, we have failed to keep in mind that God knows what he's doing. He isn't second-guessing. He's not trying to figure out anything. And because in him everything is already completed, Christ does not complete stuff once he gets you where he wants you to be. Everything that Christ wants to have completed is already done. It's waiting on you and me. So what he does is prepare us for what he's already completed. Christ is not trying to come up with a contingency plan. It's already done. And one of the things I've come to recognize over uh, the 32 years as a pastor and the 34 years um, being called of God to carry the gospel, and that is when the Bible says that the greatness is the Lord, it means that. When the Bible says, First Chronicles 29, when it says that thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, 
and the majesty and the honor. It means that. When the Bible says the heavens is the Lord and the earth, it means that. When the Bible says the kingdom is his, it means that. When the Bible says that he's exalted above everything, it means that. And once we get to the place that it means that, I've come to recognize in my six to seven years as Christians, we're working too hard. I've come to recognize that if God is all-powerful, then you have no power. If he's all-knowing, we have no knowing. If he's every place at the same time, he's waiting for us to get there, not going to meet us, not going to go then. He says, you know something, when you get there, I try to find my way. That's not this God. So, so, so my focus on this doctrine of vision it's going to be most interesting because we must make sure that when we begin to address Scripture, are we actually interpreting what is written? Or are we interpreting what someone has said, but we never investigated to see if it's correct? That's very important. And because vision is a preferred feature, a preferred future. Because it's a preferred future. God himself tells us that we must have now faith now. But we must prepare ourselves for the future. Because if we don't prepare ourselves for the future, then what we believe we have now, we will not be able to withstand the stuff we have to go through until it manifests itself. So if you would, please, I want to turn, I want you to turn to one of your favorite scriptures, one we all know. Proverbs 29, verse 18. We all know this. This is a favorite one that we use. But I'm under an impression that yet because it may be a favorite one, are we actually using it correctly? Proverbs 29, verse 18. Of course, in Proverbs 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, now normally, when we use the scripture, we use the scripture to talk about vision. But this scripture doesn't have anything to do with vision. Vision is the direction we're going. It doesn't say anything about direction. In the context of the scripture, it's addressing God correcting people. Because if you actually focused on verses, um, uh, focus on verse, uh, uh, well, verse 11 down through, uh, 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 21, it talks about uh, fools out of their mind and God got to discipline them. But what we have done, we have, we have messed doctrine and we go on with something that someone said and not say, God, show me if this is really true. 
Because just because God blesses us with something, it doesn't mean that what we're saying is true. God's overall perspective is to make sure his son is glorified and the work of the kingdom is being done. So when you read this scripture, where there is no vision, people perish. You must also understand that everything must be in keeping with scripture interpretation. So if everything is in keeping with scripture interpretation, according to the law of interpretation, then we have to address ourselves, where else is this statement found in the Bible? It's not said by anyone else in the Bible. The scripture is not repeated even by Jesus or Paul or Peter or John. It's not mentioned. So the interpretation of the scripture is found in the scripture itself. But there is no law. People cannot be happy. It says, where there's no vision, people perish. But happy is he that keepeth the law. So the scripture is on showing you how to be happy so you will not get in trouble with God by obeying what's written. So what we have been doing is telling everyone this is our vision. But we really don't have one. We don't have a vision. Because if we had a vision, Jesus would not have had to come. If we really had it together, Jesus would not also have had to send the Holy Spirit. Because he said when he comes, he will testify of me. That means he's going to find you and me. We don't know which way to go. And he's going to show us which way to go. And then in showing us which way to go, he's going to display Jesus at the best advantage. To display Jesus at the best advantage means that you must be at disadvantage. Also, it's important for you to understand that when we address this, this law, because according to the law of Scripture, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word must be established. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. So if you search scripture from, 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 from law, history, Psalms, prophecy, gospel, revelation, you do not see this statement again. Because Jesus said, I came to do my Father's will. You'll find that statement constantly being repeated. So if God gives you something, it is going to be about him and his will only. And it would not be about what you and I think that he wants to do with us. Also, in the Bible, according to Scripture interpretation, there is a law of first things. But this statement was mentioned in the book of Proverbs. But Solomon is just giving us a contrast between two things and not trying to get us to arrive at uh, any definitives, but just let us know how things uh, operate. So if you look at the law of first things, 
Then the law of first thing says, where was this actually found when God himself started creating everything? Because for it to be the first things, you've got to go to the book of Genesis where God started creating everything and began to see actually what was God saying. So in the book of Genesis, it says, in the beginning, one, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God, Elohim, the strong one, created something. That means he chose to do something with the heaven and the earth. It is crucial for us to know that if God in the beginning chose to do something, then we must ask the question, is he still choosing? Or are we choosing? He chose the heaven and earth to put man, and that was long preparation. So are we choosing? Or are we understanding that when we see the greatness of God and who he is, we stop working so hard to make something work. We line ourselves up with the Holy Spirit who will show us how it should work. And then we come to a place not being worn out. Because when you have to wear yourself out all night to try to make it work, when you have to focus on coming up with some plans to pay it off, when you have to come up with some ideas how to make it grow, then God will let you go ahead and do that. And he'll meet you 20 years later to let you know you wasted 20 years of his time. Because God wants you to be happy. But above all, he wants you to know that he wants your joy to remain. So when we begin to understand what he's saying and doing in terms of the laws of interpretation, then we must understand there's something that he wants us to know and understand if we are going to receive everything he has for us. Now, to receive everything he has for us, we know it's by faith. I'm convinced that God is who he say he is. And if he said it, it was done. Yes? So if it was done, if you were already healed, what do you need to do to feel healed? If God said you were healed, then what is it that he needs to do to make you know that you are? Because he said it's already done. If God said that the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want, you shall not lack anything in your life, then what do you need to do to make want to disappear? Are you understanding my speech? If Paul uses missionary scripture and says, says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So this is God's will for you. So then where do you need to go? I need to get in Christ Jesus. Because once I get in Christ Jesus, then it's there in Christ Jesus. If I'm not in Christ Jesus, I need some programs. I need something to do to come up with how am I going to get the riches. Do you you understand? Because if you're from heaven, an apostle, I have never seen this over all the years. I've never seen an ambassador from the poorest of countries 
come to the U.S. and needing help. Because in spite of how poor the country is, when the ambassador comes to the U.S., the ambassador is going to have everything that's needed. Why would God send you from heaven and then want you to figure out what you need to do? I'm not getting that picture. Because once he's seen you from heaven, you have everything you need. But you're trying to find out what he need to do to get it to you. He's not trying to get you anything. When he said the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, heaven has arrived. So the Holy Spirit is to teach us how then do we understand what God is after and then help him to show us what God is after. Because as Apostle William has shared, our experiences go back a long time ago when no one could have cared about who we were. Except our wives, they loved us. (laughs) Nobody was interested. But God had a future for us, a preferred future. But what he had to do first was to show us, if we are going to walk with Jesus, we must first die to us and you. Because what God must do, he must first remove the human element called, see how smart I am. Look at what I did in five years. Look at my plan. God has to remove all of that. And once he removes all of that, then he will begin to show you, are you ready for this statement? Him. And are you sure you want him? It's all about him. It's all about him. It's not about you or me. It's about him. Because I came to recognize something in my few years And that is, number one, the Lord used a mule to preach. So if the Lord can use a mule to preach, then Ulysses Tough don't think that you are so needed by God that he can't get his message out. Number two, I came to see that if the Lord can take a man and put a man in the belly of a whale with all the gastric juices going on it. Everything inside of his belly and the man is not dissolved. Then God is not trying to prove the point how strong he is. And is he there in the midst of the darkness? He's not trying to prove the point. He's trying to let us know even a whale. Nature changes when he gets involved. I saw when Elijah... Needed help. God used ravens who do not even feed their own. They don't take care of their own. But God changed the nature of a raven for 40 days, took care of his own servant. And you're trying to figure out, can God do what? You're trying to say, God, I sure hope you're with me. Wrong question. Not if he's with you, are you with him? Different perspectives. And everything starts slowing down. (laughs) Everything slows down. Because this is going to hurt your theology. God is not in a hurry. Now, I don't know about you. 
But I went through the book of Genesis, and I didn't see my name. Then from Genesis, I went to the, the next book. So we know it was Exodus. And I didn't see my name there either. So God was not in a hurry to get me here. And since he was not in a hurry to get me here, then why now since he has set me out to go, I'm in a hurry to go somewhere. That's not God's plan. That would be another human's plan. Because what we have learned, that if God is not in it, I don't care who gives you the invitation. That's right. You don't go. That's correct. That's correct. Because you're not trying to make a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because, according to Scripture, if your name is already written in the Lamb's Book of Life, who else do you need to know? And where's, where else? Where else does your name to be placed? And if you and I sitting in heavenly places positionally with him, and we are his representatives in the earth, then who else do we need to connect to? Because he owns the earth and the fullness thereof. And he will get you to whomever he wants to get you to when he gets ready. And in the process of that time, you're spending time getting to know him. Because you want to win him, and you want to know him. So with this being in mind, I want to begin to share with you now, since we have somewhat addressed this favorite scripture that we oftentimes have misused, I want us now to focus in on, so then, how does God get us to where he wants us to go? Therefore, we want to start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Because the Lord himself, after so many years, finally now Jesus is coming into being to begin to set in order his kingdom. And the first thing Jesus began to do before he does anything in terms of instruction, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus began to work signs and wonders to let us know he's so concerned about people. He's so concerned about people and their needs, because if you can get the need met, then you start dealing with them with character. So when the Lord got, in, got to Matthew chapter 5 through 7, he's dealing with them with, on their behavior. Because what you want to understand, if there's going to be a purpose of God, he wants you to first focus on your character. Because there are thousands, there are thousands of preachers and teachers. But there are not many that you can say, oh, that's, wow. So that's how Jesus behaved. That's how Jesus carries himself. <laughs> so Jesus began to address his disciples. And it's interesting how the scripture started off. It says he sat down. It's telling us now all that he had just done in chapter 4 with the miracles. He's now putting himself in a position of being a teacher and pastor. He's now going to sit down. <coughs> And impart into them and talk to them and develop them. I don't know if you know how long it takes to develop this one person. To make sure that that one person 
is going to do exactly what God has put in your heart to do, but yet using that personality. That takes a long, long time. Because according to Scripture, we are to make disciples. Is that correct? Not church members. We're to make disciples. And to make a disciple requires you to make sure that you are giving them you. You. Because to make one is to be one. And to be one is to make one. And then when that one is made, then that one knows what he or she is supposed to be doing. Takes a long time. <laughs> this is one reason why the Bible says to us, many are called, but very few. I wonder why very few. Broad is a way, isn't it? But then there's a narrow way. I wonder why there's so few on the narrow way. Because the narrow way says, you can't come here with you. You must empty you and all about you that you think is important and allow God to arise and show himself. So Jesus addressed all these things. Then he go to Matthew chapter 6. And in spite of all the things that's going on, he says, now I've told you about the Gentiles. But this is what I want you to know. But you seek first, isn't it? But you seek first. But you, but you seek first the kingdom. Not how to grow a church. Not how to get money. (laughs) Not how to make connections all over the world. But seek first. The kingdom of God. Seek, search out, thirst for, be hungry for the king and his rulership. Seek first the, the, notice it says the, doesn't it? The kingdom, not a kingdom, not just anything. Because that's what the Gentiles do, just anything that would give them some recognition. He said, but you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because what God is going to impart to you, and that is, everything that you're going to do is going to be righteous. If it's not righteous, then you're not to do it. Not Difference in right. We can do what's right and not be righteous. But righteous. That is, righteousness has to do with Jesus' word and what is he saying about what should take place. (laughs) But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You notice that? Then the Lord says, so now when that takes place, then I'll add to you. Can you imagine that? Because the Lord is trying to bring us to a place 
that the house is in order. And once the house is in order, then everything falls in place. When uh, Apostle Williams and I and two other brothers uh, went to New Moscow, that's a place that was a private military facility in Russia that a meeting had never taken place before. But we went there, we went there on assignment, and we paid for about 1,500 people to come to train them and send them back. But to send them back, we were not trying to get an offering. We were not saying, you know, when you go back, remember us. (laughs) That's not what we did. When we finished our assignment... We did what we believe God has said, and we were through. But then God is going to. Then God got started, and when God got started, then God began to open up many, many days and having folks to reach us, because they not wanted us to be our fathers, but that was prayer. How many of you know? Just because somebody wants you to be their father, they may not be your son. So you just don't do it because you want folks to know how many children you have. <laughs> So there were a lot of folks who wanted me to be their fathers, but the Lord didn't leave me, in, That's right. and I didn't address it. That's right. Because if the person is not your son, then you got trouble. Yeah. But when somebody's your spiritual son, yeah. you can say whatever you want to, however you want to say it, and they're open to make it happen, mm-hmm. and you're through. Because if the Lord is in the business, mm-hmm. see, if the Lord is in the business, you trust in the Lord that he knows what he has called you to do. So you learn to wait on him. That's a scary word. But it shouldn't be. You wait on the Lord for him to tell you the next step. So God began to grace us. And God where. I would have a son, and eventually I would get another son. But in getting sons, as the Lord so led, my objective was not, I want you to know I'm your father, so you better give me recognition. Because that's not why I was doing what I was doing. I was doing what I was doing because it was my assignment. Can you imagine God assigns you to be a blessing to people, and you don't want anything from them? Was that God's vision? Is that God's purpose? Is that God's purpose? It has to be. Because do you know that God knows exactly who's going to receive him, but he still bless him anyway? Do you know God knows exactly who will acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, but he'll use him anyway? Do you know how many sinners God is using presently? He knows they would never come to him. So the Lord is doing something with you and I that becomes so important that when we begin to see him for who he is, we begin to recognize truly, if the earth is yours and the fullness thereof, then as a soldier in the military, oh God, your military, 
then you will sign me to a place. And you're going to give me everything that I need to make sure that I fulfill my reason for being there. Whoever, whoever, needs to, whoever needs to manifest, whoever it may be, you're going to make sure that they are going to show up. I must do my part. I must pray. I must, I must fast. I must stand strong in the word. I must, I must, I must. Because God is not going to do your part. You must do your part. And so, so he says, seek, search out first. It doesn't say second, does it? It doesn't say seek second. Does it say seek you first, second? Does it say seek second the kingdom? It says seek first. Because in the book of Proverbs, it says wisdom is the principal thing. So while you're seeking first the kingdom, then you want to also seek wisdom, which is the most important thing. Not anointing. That's right. It doesn't say seek anointing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say it doesn't say seek anointing. The anointing is the Holy Spirit. That's a person. That's right. Seek first the kingdom of God. And while you're seeking first, you want the most important thing to God, and that is, God, I want you, your mind, your understanding. Yeah. Then, God, give me meaning to this That's right. to make sure, oh, God, that I'm not just off doing something. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that many of you have never heard of my name? But how many of you know it was not important? It was really not important. Because God knew that what he wanted to do with Apostle William, and Apostle William and me are in link along with Pastor Williams and Prophet Williams, we are in link. So whatever God want to do when you in link with someone, whomever he wants you to, whoever he want to know you, he will get them to you. Now, this statement is going to scare you. I know it's, some of you are going to say this is not Bible, but it is. Can you imagine God will assign you to do nothing. Can you imagine? The August God will assign you and tell you, don't go anywhere this month. Just stay before me this month. Don't preach this month. Don't travel this month. Matter of fact, for the next six months, I don't want you to do anything. I'm sure you said, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. <laughs> But Jesus didn't come into the fullness of time. And when he came in the fullness of time, he did not do anything that the Holy Spirit did not lead him to do. He did not speak one word. He did not perform one miracle. Because he was on a time schedule and he only had to do so many things. So that meant then that whatever he had to do, he needed to give you and I an example. So he kept saying, but I've come to do that will, O oh God. If it was not in your will, O oh God, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a lot of things that we're doing is not even in the will of God? Mm-hmm. You know why? Because we asked him last year and didn't ask him today. 
Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the, the things that we're trying to create? We never ask God to question. Because the Bible says, acknowledge him in all your ways, Proverbs. Yes, is that true? Yes. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Is that true? Yes. I'm talking to you. Is that true? Yes. So since that is true, tell me what way you've been going and you didn't even ask the question. It says acknowledge him, recognize him in every way. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He will direct your path. So whatever way you don't acknowledge him, he is not going to be involved in that path. And you on your own. (laughs) Can you imagine how many preachers are dying because they have left God and his purpose? And going back to what Apostle William shared, they have big names. Well, an impression that big names really make you really in the will of God. That's right. We were in Sierra Leone. Uh, many, uh, no, no, no. Uh, Cote d'Ivoire many years ago. Many years ago, we were in Cote d'Ivoire, and there was this brother who had a membership of 25,000 people. When you say that's from God. Yes or no? Yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Got to be from God, because God only blesses chillings. But he had 25,000 people. He started out nominal Christian. But he began to open himself up to false teachings. And he turned away from God. And his 25,000 people grew. So we're an impression because you have numbers. God is really in the business. The Mormons got... Mm, You understand the Mormons, how many members they have? So, is that from God? We, 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 I'm telling you something. Listen to me carefully. Numbers are important, but we've we got to stop that number game. Because when Jesus died, he just had him, himself. And his 12 left him. Can you imagine you only have 12 members and the 12 left you? you got to know that God has called you, not focus on how many members you have. Because God can get all of them to leave you. I had one brother who, who said that he was preaching one day. He was preaching one day. What day was he preaching? One day he was preaching. And 300 people just got up and left at one time. There's 300. That's why he was preaching. They just got up and walked away. He didn't have the vaguest idea what they were doing. If God had not called you to do what you're doing, he's going to let folks help you find out. So he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And and all these things shall be added, yes? Mm. Go with me to, uh, uh, there's another place I want you to go Uh scripture-wise. Go to, uh, oh yeah, I I need to also address this. Uh, Go with me to Abaka. You're familiar with Abaka as well. It's not another one of our favorite scriptures on vision. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. One of our favorite ones that we quote so often. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Is that how you say it? How do you, how do you say it? How do you? Habakkuk. 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 Let's go to Habakkuk. <laughs> We're going to go to Habakkuk, okay. So turn to Habakkuk, is 
It's chapter 2, right? Did that sit apart? Okay, go to Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Because we need to make sure that the things we just dispel, we got to dispel these things. Because you will be amazed to know how many people are misinterpreting Scripture. And just because God does something, they are assuming that God is definitely confirming that what they're saying is correct. Not so. Not necessarily so. So you have it now? So chapter 2, verses 1. So please, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. Will somebody read chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 for me, please? So he says, I'm going to set up on my watch because Habakkuk felt that God really didn't know what he was doing. He didn't, he felt, God, you allowing these heathens to come and correct us. You really don't know what you're doing. God was using heathens to correct his people. So God couldn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> See, one thing I've come to recognize about too many Christians, we don't like to deal with suffering. We don't like to talk about it. But Paul said, all, those that live, all they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer. You don't have to look for it. It's going to come. It's a part of your training program. Anybody in the military understand that. You go in the military, you may fight, want to fight the war, but when they finish with you, they first going to make sure you have suffered. Your flesh is dead. Anything about you that would get in the way is out of the way. So, Abaka is addressing this truth. Please, Apostle. And what I shall answer when I'm so God is expecting a response. When God begins to correct you, he expects a change. He expects a difference. He expects a different imposition, a different of direction, a difference in understanding. He expects that. God doesn't correct us. Because whom he loves, he corrects. God doesn't correct us just for the sake of wasting time. Yes, sir. He corrects us because he's trying to say, I have much more for you. Amen. And I don't want you to lose it. Amen. <laughs> mm. Because if we're going to understand his purpose, we have to understand him as a person. Because he's a person. And how do a person who loves us so much deals with us? Who, who says, who we say, whom we say we love him. Mm. We tell him we love him mm. until, until things don't work out the way we thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apostle, please read. And the Lord answered me and said, write this vision. And make it plain. Write this vision, not direction. Mm-hmm. Write this message to my people and make sure they understand that even though I'm using these heathens to correct them, I have a plan even for the heathens. But since they brought this on themselves, I'm going to use the heathens to bring them back to me because I want them to know how much I love them. Mm. 
go to Luke. Luke chapter 16. Focusing, when you get the chance, you read 1 through 10, 13, but we're going to focus on verses 10 through 12. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. Please read. He that is faithful in that which he lists, which is least, is faithful also in much. So, he, uh, so God's objective for you and me is to see your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, and that which you think is totally insignificant. That's right. Because that which we think is insignificant is very important to God because it has come from him. Moses reached 120 years of age. So the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was in Pharaoh's house. So he thought he was something. That's the first third of his life. The second third of his life, God got him out of Pharaoh's house. And made him nothing. Dealing with some dumb sheep. Stinking sheep. Hmm. He thought God, God made him nothing. Hmm. Then on the third third of his life, then God began to use him hmm. to make him somebody important. But Moses did something that you and I need to learn. Moses began to allow these people to get next to him. Mm. Moses began to allow these people to address his flesh. In him. <clears throat> That's right. And his flesh began to listen to their complaints. Yeah. So he did what the people wanted. Yeah. You cannot do the will of God and do the will of people at the same time. That's correct. You cannot. Paul said, you cannot please God and man. You cannot. Mm. Once you try to please a human, then a human becomes your God. Yeah. Because you're going to have one master at a time. Yep. Oh, it's so true, as our apostle shared. It's so true that we should listen when you have concerns. Mm. But we listen to your concerns and mm. your concerns about things that concern you. But then we must make sure. But God, help us to make sure that this is true. Yes. Because God will hold us responsible. In spite of what you say and what you feel, he will hold us responsible for not doing what he wants to have done. Very crucial. Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that verse 10? Mm-hmm. Okay. Verse 11. Yeah, verse 10. Verse 11 now. Mm-hmm. If therefore... Ye have not been faithful in the, in the unrighteous mammon who will commit to your trust the true riches. So God is seeking to let you show him that you can be a good steward of grace, a good steward of time, a good steward of talent, a good steward of finances, a good steward of everything he's committed to you because there's a place he wants to take you. Can you imagine this, my brothers and sisters, and please listen carefully. Can you imagine 
we are in this wonderful place that God has graced Apostle and Pastor with this wonderful place. Mm. Can you imagine that God have been testing him over the years to see what is he going to do with the little that he has? Mm. And can you imagine that all the things that was going on for this not to take place, Mm. God did it. Can you imagine God has the same thing for you? Yeah. He has the same thing for me. Yeah. The same kind of thing. Hmm. The same kind of thing, but not the same thing. Hmm. So when we understand that God is getting us to a place to understand his purpose and what he sees, we come to a place to recognize, okay, God, if all this is true, then help me to rest in you. Help me to come to a place where I'm convinced that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Convinced. I recall so well when I began to make my first trip. Well, my first trip was in 1987 to Abida, Nigeria. Hmm. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. 1987. Mm-hmm. Ibada, not Abida. Ibada. <laughs> Ibada, Nigeria. <laughs> Uh, and uh, uh, and, and uh, I was there with a dear brother, uh, Pastor Louis Johnson, and um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so so so, never knowing that God was preparing me for something else. Mm. So then, the Lord got me to a country that I knew not of, map-wise, yes but never had gone. And God got me to a country called Kiev, Ukraine. Mm. I didn't know Mm. anybody. But with my wife's blessings, I went. Mm. And I started going four times a year for a purpose. No more, no less. Then I got to mix Belarus for a purpose, only fulfill what God wanted me to do. See, God can get you where he wants you to go. Yep. Because he owns every place. He owns everybody. And since he does, then it becomes very easy for you and I to just come to a place where we just want to know him. Now, with that being in mind, that God has a plan for us, let's focus, if you will, on then what is vision? Because if we're going to understand vision, there are a number of things that we want to know about vision. But in order to know uh, this particular this particular uh, understanding it's a picture of the future that God produces a passion in the present it's a picture of the future that God is going to produce your passion now because whatever passion he presents to you now he's going to develop that passion until he has gotten you to a place where you're so driven by that assignment that nothing can deter you or no one can deter you. And if no one supports you, it's okay. Because heaven supports you. If no human stands with you, it's okay. Because heaven stands with you. Secondly, God's picture of the future. 
Because there's a picture that God has, God's picture of the future. It's one that he himself has created for you. He has created this picture for you. So it takes a time for this picture to be produced in you. But the picture is going to be very clear. He produces a clear picture. And because God has created this picture of the future for us, then this picture is to help us to empty ourselves of our opinions and our dreams. Because God wants you to know that your opinion and your dream, he doesn't need. So he needs you to empty yourself. So this is why you see that once he gives you something, it seems to take so long because he wants you to empty yourself. Then, as you're emptying yourself, God then will begin to fill you up with himself. And the more he fills you up with himself, the easier you will find that it can take place. It will happen. Because nothing is too hard for God. Do we agree? Because the question also was asked, is there anything too hard for the Lord? No, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. But what God does is help us to know since it's not too hard for him, then what I need you to do is that I need you, and I'm going to put you in situations where you empty you. The Lord orchestrates that. Because we all say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Isn't that what we say? But when the Lord orders our steps, we don't think that the stuff that isn't wholesome for us is from the Lord. We quickly blame the devil. Why would God use the devil to correct you? Come on, what kind of God are you talking about? We say God is a loving. He is, but he's also holy. Did I say that right? He's also holy. <laughs> he's also righteous. He's also just. And he's also after making sure that we're doing exactly what he wants. And when it's done, people will know this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in his sight. Can you imagine? Because it doesn't take us long. It doesn't take us long to begin to worship us or somebody worshiping us and causing us to think that we're the reason for the season. <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm going to give you some reflections and then of course I'm, I'll be stopping if your plan is for a year if your plan is for a year just one year then plant wheat if your plan is for a decade then plant trees but if your plan is for a lifetime you plant people If your plan is for a year, one year, you plant wheat. 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 W-H-E-A-T. Wheat. Grain. Yeah, grain. If your plan is for a decade, 
decade, 10 years, then you plant trees. But if your plan is for a lifetime, you plant people. You understand? Because Jesus is interested in people being planted. Not things. Because they all shall pass away. So when he says, seek you first the kingdom, he's interested in people understanding him. And when you plant people, you will see the salvation of the Lord and his kingdom coming. It's crucial for you to know this. Some men see things as they are. But I, Ulysses Tough, ask why. I dream of things that never were and ask why not. See, If you see something, you can have concerns about it all you want to. But rather than focusing on the why not, focus on, but God, maybe you're showing me this because you want me to change it. And I'll be the one to change it. Because it's easy to complain. It's easy to come up with excuses. It's easy to come up with, God, you're blessing them. You're not blessing me. The Lord says, but I'm showing you this. This is about you. Can you imagine? You're from India. Can you imagine India had to be changed so God could get you in place so you can be the one to do more than Magandhi? Can you imagine? Can you see that picture? Can you see that picture? True. I want you to see that picture. I want you to see that picture. That's a word of prophecy to you, by the way. I wasn't, I wasn't just talking. I, I want you to know that. That's Important. Reflection. Give me a man or woman who says the one thing I do and not a woman or man who says 50 things I dabble in. Give me a man or woman who says I do one thing rather than a man or woman who says I can do 50 things. You don't want a man or woman to do 50 things. Just do one thing and give it all you have with that one thing. And the kingdom will be realized. Because in spite of all the miracles Jesus came and committed, he had one thing to do. And that was to go to the cross. And nothing kept him from that one thing. Because he did not have to focus on, Father, you're going to resurrect me. Because even before he died, in John 17, he says, Father, I have completed the work you called me to do. And so because he came to do that one thing, then he knew that he was going to be resurrected. Can you imagine if you just do the one thing and train people to do one thing, how much more you can get done? 
Another reflection. When it comes to the future, there are three kinds of people. Those who let it happen, those who make it happen, and those who wonder what happened. (laughs) Three kinds of people. So which one are you going to be? Those who let it happen, those who make it happen, or those who wonder what happened? This is important for future-minded brothers and sisters. My interest in the future, my interest is in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. My interest is in the future because I'm going to spend the rest of my life there. But I start now. I start now. And because I know now is my future, what I invest right now, it's going to be what I'm going to prepare myself for when it comes to the future. Because beyond your investment, it is not going to happen. And we can't use a human or people, whatever may be the excuse, because according to our declaring the scripture, great is he, first John 4, 4, great is he that's in you than he that is in the world. And we overcome the world because we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we never give the world an excuse. Never give Jesus an excuse about the world and the people in the world. And finally, 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 God has made you a gifted Leader. God has already made you gifted. And because he has made you gifted, then it's very important for you to know, because you are gifted, then you don't have to focus on God will ever be successful. The fact you're gifted. Success is now. What is success? I have accomplished what God has told me to do. If no one ever knows about it, I did exactly what I know God told me to do. Well, God grace you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Apostle Ulysses, tough, the tough man. Did you get something? What he told you, that's what God is saying. I hope you got it. Indira Gandhi achieved what he did completely as a human. You are a human with God inside you. You will do in India more than Indira Gandhi. So change your focus about yourself and begin to see yourself in the light of what he spoke Would you like to be part of a vibrant church in the midst of beautiful, awe-inspiring surroundings? Christ Faith Tabernacle at the CFT Cathedral Woolwich is now open for all. 
Apostle Alfred Williams, apostolic leader to churches around the globe, warmly invites you to come and be part of this incredible move of God. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London. In our beautiful, recently refurbished cathedral, we are seeing miracles happen, people healed, needs are met, lives are transformed. The Word of God is preached with power through Apostle Alfred Williams. I want you to know this, that there is a God in heaven who has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and by Him, anyone who believes in Him, carry the very authority of God which, with which He created the heavens and the earth. Jesus said, freely you receive and freely give. I want to say this to you. Stop going around to people. Kneel down where you are. Talk to the God who created the heavens and the earth in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and you will receive your miracle now. And be sure not to miss our two life-changing events. Overcomers Night Vigil. Hear the voice of God. Receive life-changing teaching. Be lifted through dynamic worship. Become an overcomer on the last Friday of every month at 7pm. And also come and celebrate with us at our exciting monthly victory nights. Receive your breakthrough. Be empowered to win. Come and claim your victory on the first, second and third day of every month. Whatever age, nationality or background you are from, there is something very special for you at the Christ Faith Tabernacle Cathedral Woolwich. Every Sunday at 10 a.m., 186 Power Street, Woolwich, London, SE18 6NL.